We're going to be uh, reading several passages to you here in just a moment. If you'd like to keep your finger uh, in, uh, in those particular places, we'll be first in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and then we'll move back to the Gospel of Matthew. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Have you noticed lately the amount of disasters that have been going on in the world? Not just lately, let's say within the last 30 days, but let's get a little bit broader look and think about the last year, maybe the last two. Have you noticed how it appears to me anyway, how the earth is groaning? There is, of course, the recent disaster at Miramar with the cyclone. They call that a cyclone. I, I, I think some folks aren't aware that that's what they call a hurricane in that portion of the world. But that hurricane that blew through there and literally just took out tens of thousands, maybe into the hundred thousand. I mean, is that not a mind-boggling number? A hundred thousand plus people. There's been an earthquake of over seven, almost eight magnitude in China. Um, the Midwest, here in our own United States, has experienced an outbreak of tornadoes. In fact, we're having tornadoes in unusual areas of the country as well. We can go back and think about the tsunami in Sri Lanka. We can hear about oftentimes the fires that take place out west, but they shut down I-95 here recently in Florida because of fires. And so we could go down the list and I could begin to share with you all of the ways that uh, natural disaster is taking place. And I just believe the earth is groaning. And these are all natural signs used by God in a prophetic way. A, a lot of times he'll do that. He'll just work in the earth in certain ways, hoping that somehow or another those who do not have ears to hear or eyes to see can begin to perceive that something greater than just global warming is taking place. The question I believe he's asking this generation, he's asking you and me this question as well as the one that's rising, and that is what are you going to build your life on? Because it doesn't matter how you build something, doesn't matter what kind of building you build, how many of you realize God can take it down? He's got something at his disposal that he can send in order to take down whatever we're building to the ground. I'm being told on radio and television by all of the pundits who supposedly know these things that the economy is now the greatest issue that faces us as Americans in this particular year. They tell me that there is a recession. They tell me that because of the slowdown, it has affected housing starts, building. And because housing starts and building or house sales are one of the leading indicators of the economy, and because that's down, the economy is not being driven as it normally is. And so consequently, uh, everything is just in a tailspin. Food prices are going up. Gasoline is going up. And they're right in as much as building is a critical indicator. I, I wouldn't question the economic gurus on this particular point. However, what they're wrong about is that it's not the housing that has a problem. It's the building of lives. That's where the problem is. Everybody's building something. We're not just building new homes. We're not just building new businesses. We're not just building uh, uh, edifices. But we are literally building lives. We're building our futures. We're building our families. 
We're building our marriages. We're building our life. And the question is, what are you building it on? Because something can come along, folks. Let me tell you, if you think a cyclone in Miramar is tough, if you think an earthquake in China is just an incredible devastation, if you think forest fires or tornadoes are the things and issues that can be of such devastation, I'll assure you that our culture can send something through your life or through your family or through your marriage. And it can be just as devastating. And you can lose everything around you, but to lose some of those things, you just can't afford it. And so the question is, what are you building your life on? What are you building your life with? Now, there are several passages here that I mentioned I want to read to you because I want to talk about building this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. And then we'll go back to Matthew. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You, everyone say, that's me. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This isn't necessarily great news, but it's the truth. That one of these days, you're going to be in the heat. Nobody escapes it in this room. I won't, you won't. Nobody escapes it. Paul says, every one of us one day will be in the heat. And when the heat's on, we're going to find out what you've built with. That's what he says. I'm not picking on you. That's just what he's, everybody, me too. Now, let's go back to Matthew 16. Verse 18, Matthew 16, 18. I'm just putting some concepts out on the table here so we can begin to talk about building. Matthew 16, 18. Most of us know the background. Jesus is quizzing the disciples on who people say that he is. Some of them think he's Elijah. Some of them think he's a great teacher. Some of them think, you know, he's just sort of an earthly guru. But then he gets to Simon Peter. And for all of Simon Peter's faults, he comes up with the right answer this time. Matthew 16, 18, after Peter says, you are the Christ, you're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God, you're the Messiah. Verse 18 says this. It says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, some of your translations will say, shall not prevail against it. So Jesus is saying here, he's saying that that something's going to be built with a foundation that will be so stable, so sure, it, it, it will be so steady that hell will throw its best at you. Are you hearing me? I mean, the church isn't just a building. The church isn't just this organization. The church is you and me. The church is people. And what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, Peter, something has just come out of your mouth 
that is so insightful, it is so, it is, it is so revelatory that if you'll really get a hold of that and you'll build your life on that, that hell will throw everything it's got at you and it won't take you out. Are you hearing me now? We're talking about building. Anybody ever felt like hell opened up a portal in your life? And just everything imaginable came out of that portal straight out of the pit of hell and it was aimed at you. If it had never happened, let's just give it another 30 days. And now that I mentioned it, because it happens. But here's the good news. It's not like, well, pastor, don't, if we don't talk about it, maybe it won't happen. Wrong. I'm here to tell you that hell can throw its best at us. And Jesus said that you can build with something that, that the devil can take his best shot and it won't take you out. That's what he's saying. Now, last but not least. In Matthew 7, verse 24, and then we'll get to, uh, I guess, preaching here. Matthew 7, 24. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus is speaking, and does them. You can't just hear, you must do what you hear. So anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And we're just asking the question this morning, what are you building on and what are you building with? Now, as I read to you those passages, there are certain things that I want you to keep in mind as you are building. Because Paul originally told us he said, you're building. There's a part of this building. I understand God's working in our lives, but there's a part of building that you're responsible for. You are building certain things in your own life as unto the Lord. And, and there are certain things here in these passages that we need to just kind of lay out here so that you will, you will understand why it is we need to build successfully and strategically. And there are just certain things, and you can write these down because I can't spend much time on them. Number one. Fire will come to test it. I already mentioned that to you. You will be faced with situations where the heat is on. It won't be literal fire, so to speak, but it will feel as if you're in an intense crucible of heat. And when the heat's on, you can always tell what's inside somebody. All you have to do is put a little heat on them. I mean, everybody's great when everything's smooth, but you put a little heat in their life and you'll see what's down in there. It'll bubble up right to the top. So remember, heat will come. Number two, as I mentioned, hell will seek to attack it. If you are a Christian, if you say you love God, if you've received Jesus Christ, if these things have taken place in your life, sorry, the enemy has some crosshairs that are pointed right at you. Now, it, he does this because you are the only thing that is a threat to him in the earth. It, a Christians are threats to the kingdom of darkness. The reason he doesn't mess, I've said this before, with your heathen neighbor and your lost friend, the reason he never messes around with them much is because they're really no threat. 
But you begin to get serious about the things of God. You begin to really get on fire, so to speak. And that's a, that's the good fire that, 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 that's going on in, with regards to passion inside of you. If those things begin to take place in your life, I, I mean, you're going to draw attention from hell. I wish we could avoid it. But here's the good news. It doesn't matter what hell throws at you, you can prevail. Number three, the Bible says that rain will fall on it. We read that passage in Matthew where it says the man built his house and several things came, one of which was rain. I'm going to talk about rain in uh, just a minute, but rain comes. And you know, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. That we're going to receive the rains of adversity. And sometimes we, we don't understand why it comes our direction, but rains will come. Number four, the Bible says floods will seek to remove what you've built. You know, the Bible says that the enemy can come at us like a flood. And there are floods, and the reason they use the imagery of flood is because there have been moments when I felt like it was just a flood of demonic activity that was seeking to sweep away everything that I spent so long and hard building. And the enemy at times comes to do that until finally, number five, it also says that the winds will come and test its sturdiness. Now, when we talk about the wind, I, I, I've kind of taught that differently through the years. My, my view of the wind is this. Every time I see wind in the scripture, it's likened to the Holy Spirit. And I honestly believe, and I realize this probably won't get me on the charismatic top ten list, because charismatics think if you're following God, it's always smooth, easy, and you're prosperous, and nothing ever goes wrong. How many of you know that's a lie? That's a lie. But I honestly believe that God sends the wind. I believe that God actually will send his spirit into your life to begin to test what you're building on. Sometimes God will say, you know, we need to just awaken them to the truth of what they're building on and what they're building with. And so he sends his breeze through your life. And you're there binding the devil, not realizing that God's trying to get your attention. Everything that is thrown at your life ultimately reveals what you're building on. And just as we have city inspectors, we have fire marshals. I'll never forget being at Legacy One. We started building on that thing. I was just naive, dumb as a doornail. I just figured I'd lease the building. We can build in it. No, not in Charleston. You don't own anything in Charleston even though your name's on the dotted line. And so we started to refurbish that place, and the fire marshal came by. And he stepped in, and he said, halt. He put the big red sign on the doorknob, you know, halt. We said, what's the deal? The deal is you didn't pull your permits. You didn't let us approve what you're going to do, and on and on. I said, I didn't know, you know, I'm just dumb as a doornail, you know. I preach the gospel, but I don't know about permits. And so we had to stop. Couldn't put another uh, paintbrush of paint on the wall. Because if we did, he'd just run us out of there. So, you know, we appealed upon his grace and his mercy. And he allowed us to continue to, to at least meet there while we worked those things out. But we have fire marshals and code enforcement. And we have these people that come by when we're building things. And when we're renovating things, they come by in order to make sure our earthly structures are being built in such a way that if the winds come and the rains come and the fires come, that they make sure that as best as we can in the natural, we've got everything in order and everything is in code. Because they'll shut you down in a heartbeat if you're not in code. The code is the Bible. You're with me. 
I'm going to share with you what God does. God sends apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, and he sends people to us in much the same way he'll send the city inspectors. And they'll begin to teach you and talk to you and share with you and hopefully open your eyes so that you can begin to see the building that you're building and we'll find out in life's building whether or not there are any code violations. You see, a code violation you can get by with for a while. Isn't that true? I mean, it's true. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk one more time about the Sofa Superstore, but isn't that true? You, you can... You can you can add, do add-ons and additions and not do what the code says you're supposed to do. And again, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, and I know our whole city's fussing about that right now. I'm just simply here to share with you the illustration of it all, that a code violation doesn't mean much until the heat's on. Some of you right now, you've got code violations going on, and you get by with it for a while. There doesn't seem to be any distinguishable difference going on in your life compared to other people's lives who are doing it right. In fact, sometimes it bugs us who are, who, who are trying to live within what God says are the prescribed boundaries of where a Christian lives. And so we look at those with code violations and sometimes I say, Lord, I don't get it. They've got massive code violations going on. Dear God, put something on their doorknob. Somebody, a fire marshal, somebody needs to stop by and say, stop right now. Because for a season you can get by with code violations, but I'm here to tell you, and it's happening in the earth, that there will be earthquakes, there will be fires, there will be hurricanes, there can be tornadoes, there can be any one of a number of things that can be thrown at you instantly. And the instant they're thrown at you, all of a sudden those code violations are glaring. Because all of a sudden you need God, you need a miracle, you need something supernatural. You need an anointing, you need your prayers to get heard. You need something in your life at that moment and you're frustrated because why isn't God hearing me? I'm desperate. It's because your building has code violations. And so God uses moments like these in order to arrest our attention in order that we might begin to put into motion those things so our building can be the building that is built on the rock. I just saw this week, I realize there'll be some pastors that talk about it. I just, I don't, I, I've reached a place in my life, I just kind of say what pops into my mind. But do you realize that California, they're telling me that California now, some of you saw this, is the second state to approve same-sex marriage. I'm telling you, there's some major code violations going on. The foundations of our nation and our world are shaking and our, our world can't connect the dots. We must, and that's not to fear you into something, but to remind you that you need to be building on the right foundation with all the right materials. Because when God says, now is the time, and there are things that are released in the earth, that's going to be too late. Noah built an ark. He built and he built and he built. And the whole time he's looking at his friends and his neighbors saying, you need to be a part of what's building. And he tried to preach to them until the rains came. And when the rains came, they still laughed at him in the early rains. 
But as soon as the ark was closed and the massive rains fell, they were beating on the sides of the ark saying, let us in. And he couldn't do it because they hadn't built right. Are you with me? This is an hour of great mercy. God is merciful and he is gracious. But he's calling us to begin to build so that we can stand in that hour, in that moment. Because when fire and rain and flood and wind or even hell itself comes against you, will the materials you use to build your life upon cause you to prevail or will it cause you to be washed away? All three passages I read to you this morning, he begins to talk about some spiritual materials, a foundation that he tells us, Jesus tells us, will withstand all of these things that come our way. It will stand the onslaught of the devil. It can stand when everything else around you is falling. Wouldn't you like to stand in that day? Are you building your household? Are you building your family? And are you building your kids? And are you building your career? And are you building your relationships? Are you building yourself on the materials and the foundation that will cause you to stand when everyone else is shaking. Listen, I don't have to tell anyone here, life happens. I mean, you don't have to live long before life just happens. You're minding your own business and life happens. I was listening the other day, a 15-year-old gets her license and she has it for about two days and she gets on the interstate and she finds herself in an accident and a cement truck falls on top of her. Life happens. It's not fair, it's not right, it seems unjust, but life happens. And you need to understand that when life happens, the materials of your life will be revealed. Now, how many of you remember growing up the old nursery story about the three little pigs? You remember that? I don't, I don't remember how all that got started. I started thinking, all week long I'm thinking about the three little pigs. And I don't even remember how the, how the pigs got to where they got, where the wolf was irritated with them. I don't remember that. Maybe it was just the wolf being the wolf. But you know the story. The three little pigs begin to build buildings. And one builds their house out of straw. And one builds the house out of wood. And the other builds the house out of stone or out of brick. And of course, you know how the story goes. The wolf comes by and he says, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And uh, the little pig goes, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. You know, there's a lot of good theology in this. There really is. You read a nursery story sometimes, and you can get some really great truth out of that. And you know what happens. He blows down the straw house. The one runs to the other one. They go to the wood house. They go through the same scenario. You know how it works until finally all three pigs are there in the brick house. And the wolf cannot blow down the brick house. Folks, what are you building on? When the wolf comes knocking, what are you building your life on? Now, I want to talk for just a moment on getting a revelation. Everyone say revelation. Revelation. I know I just belabor this word to death, but you got to get it. We need a revelation to build a life on and to build a life with. Every life that is spiritually successful is built on certain revelation. Now... I said revelation, not information. Revelation, not information. We have information that has done us no good. I mean, we'll have health people tell us what we should eat, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. Things that'll kill us, and we do it anyway. 
just because we get information does not mean we act on information. So, so you may have information about health. You may have information about the habits that you do. You may have information about relationships. You may know statistics on what works and what doesn't work. And we can get all of those sorts of things. And once we get information, we feel like we're empowered. But what's funny to me is, is that we live in the internet generation, information 24-7, anything conceivable we can know in a split second, and we're not empowered anymore. No, we're not. No, we're not. We take this empowering tool and we turn it around into evil. We take an empowering tool and we don't pay attention to the information we can literally get from it. And so we, we're, as I said before, we're just smart, dumb people. So we've got to get revelation. 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 Revelation equals... That's a picture of Revelation right there. You know the cartoon character who all of a sudden has the light bulb come on over his head? Bing! I get it. I understand it. It makes sense. That's Revelation. Revelation is when all of a sudden you translate whatever information you're getting and it goes, Bing! I get it. I understand and I'm assimilating it, and I see it like I've never seen it before. We've got to get revelation, folks. We've got to get revelation of what it means to build a life in such a way that we can withstand these things. We were with our overseer several weeks ago, and Pastor Rod and was sharing with us, and we've taken these last several trips that they've had out here and used them. Of course, we're getting to know he and Mary better and better. And, uh, you know, we listen to their stories and they listen to our stories. And at one point in the conversation, he said, wow, he goes, I'm just amazed. He said, listening, listening to things you guys have faced through the years. He said, I'm, I'm amazed. I am amazed you. This is I don't know if this is good or bad. I took it as a compliment. He said, but I'm amazed you even stuck with God. And we laughed. He said, man, if, if the things that you have faced and all that has taken place, he said, it would have taken a lot of people out. And he looked and he, he said, you know, you ought, to, you ought to feel good about, you know, what you've been able to sow in, in, into your life and into people and kids and all that's around you. You've hung tough. Not only have you hung tough, but you're participating in, and you're prevailing. And, and there are some days, I'll be honest with you, some days I'm amazed too. Because there have been moments that the fire has come and the rain has come. And somehow or another, I tripped into the portal that just was straight to hell. And there are those moments where I felt like, for whatever reason, Satan decided that all his attention was going to be on me. I have felt that way. And there have been moments I've wanted to say, time out, I give up, throw in the towel, I don't want to do this anymore, I can't take this anymore. And there have been those moments, just like many of you have felt, you have faced difficult times if you could share all your testimony some of us would have our jaws dropped to the floor amazed that you are even alive that you are even here that you would want to be in the house of God we would be literally dumbstruck with all the things that has come your direction and yet you're still hanging tough let me tell you something those kind of people have been building a certain way I can guarantee it and I say this, and, and the folks that maybe are in that same boat might tell you this as well, and all of us would say it in all humility. 
Life can get even tougher than what we faced. But I can tell you that I know for our household, the Baird household, we're just real ordinary. I mean, you come to my house and it's pretty ordinary. There, it's not, there's not a glow on my house or anything. There's no, I mean, it's pretty ordinary. We face ordinary challenges, ordinary days, a lot of ordinary things. And you know what? So it is for many of you. You just, you say, I'm an ordinary person facing life in some ordinary ways. But, but can I just say this, that if we can learn in our ordinariness to begin to build in such a way that when the fires and the winds and the rains and the floods and everything that's thrown at us, even though we're ordinary, to be able to build something in our life that withstands that will cause us to be extraordinary in the earth. Extraordinary isn't that you're a superstar or that somehow or another you've got tons of money or somehow or another you're on you know, television. That's not what makes somebody extraordinary. What makes, in my book, someone extraordinary is when someone who can take a punch and they just keep on going. Someone who just has, has ordinary qualities but they face unusual circumstances and yet they pop out. And they're still standing and still serving God. And for that to happen, it's going to take all of us building our lives on something that's revelational. You can't build a life like that just because you got information. Can't do it. You got you to say, God, let this light up in me. Let it go, bing, and get this in me. So I can begin to say, that's it. I got it. I understand. The sky is open. I'm, I, I, I can walk in this now. So I'm going to give you, and I don't have much time, and, and we could probably give you a hundred things. Wouldn't that be overwhelming? How many of you know in a house, there's probably how many things you got to do to build a house right? More than I even want to think about. I, I think about building a church, and I just go, I have everybody coming up to me saying, isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? And I'm going, I'm excited. I am. But the, but the truth is there's so many things that have to come together in order to build a building that can withstand elements. Now, I can't give you a hundred things because it would overwhelm you. It would overwhelm me too. But I can give you just a couple things here that if you'll get started with this, you may lose a shingle or two, but it won't take you out. Amen. Four things I'm going to give you in areas of building. Number one, this is just what I, I just sort of examined what... What has there been in my life? What has there been in other people's lives that seem to sustain them? Number one, and I just put this down, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 18 that I read to you says that Peter got a revelation. He finally got it that Jesus was not just a good teacher. Jesus wasn't just an interesting philosopher. Jesus wasn't the guy that just had a snappy answer for all the religious people. The Bible says that he was more than just a moral, loving guy who went about doing good. Peter got the revelation that Jesus was the Christ. He was it. He was the Messiah. There was none like him. He was the only one. I'll say it again. He was the only one. Not one of many. Not one of a bunch. He was the only one who could save. The only one who could heal. The only one who could deliver. No one else. 
You, can't, you aren't going to be able to survive if you've got Oprah theology. You aren't going to survive in the notion that all dogs somehow go to heaven. I've listened to this for years. I've listened to people tell me that, you know, you do this or that and everybody gets to go in the end. That's not what Jesus said. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way and straight is the gate. And few there be that find it. That tells me something if the only way said it. Are you hearing me? So I can't listen to what everyone else thinks. I better be listening to what he thinks. He's the only way. He's the only door. When hell starts throwing stuff at you, and it will, turn an Oprah on and going to help you. I kind of like Dr. Phil, but he ain't going to help you either much. Dr. Phil and I got a little in common. That's a little bit why I kind of like that. I look at him and I say, there's hope. There's hope for TV. That's right. Bald guys can make it. Let me tell you something. You got, you got the devil on your tail. You better make sure you got a hold of something that can take him to task. Something that will get you through. Something that will cause you to be victorious. You don't need information. You don't need to come to me and say, Pastor, give me some information. You better get a revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Not Jesus Christ plus something. Jesus Christ alone. In our house, Jesus is it. Period. Jesus is it. You don't hear this anymore because we're so afraid of offending the Muslim or the Buddhist or the Hindu. Even Jewish people, and I can appreciate all the old covenant, and I've taught from it before. But Jesus is the Messiah. And we needed voices that'll crack that sort of mingled up fog out there and begin to say to people one more time that it's not just an assimilation of all this stuff. It's him and him alone. Amen. So he is it. There is no other foundation which can be laid except him. So if you're mingling everything else into your Jesus, then get it unmingled. Jesus is it. Period. Period. We were watching a show the other day, and, and they portrayed these Christians on this show. As Christians for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It was sort of a, a refreshing thing to finally see some Christians being presented on a television show that seemed not to be goofy. I mean, they weren't like me, but at least they weren't goofy. But all of a sudden, a relative comes who's a Buddhist. And they're all spazzed because it's a family member. Oh, what will happen? Our family member will come. What will we do? What will we do? So you know what they did? They took out all their Christian stuff, and they wanted to put out all this Buddhist stuff so the family member would feel good about being in their home. And I thought... Hollywood does not get it. My family comes and we get up and go to church. That's just how it works in my house. You come visit my house, I mean, I may not be able to drag you, of course. You know, if you're children, I'll drag you there. But I mean, but aside from that, that's what we do. My house, this is my house. This is, this is, Jesus is it. Jesus is it. Amen. I can ride that one for a while longer, but I better let that go. Number two, I told you I was going to do this quick. Number two, we got to honor, this is a foundation, honor the place of the Holy Spirit. Honor the place of the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine a person, I can't imagine a pastor, I can't imagine a church that reduces or minimizes the place of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit brings everything from God to us. You aren't going to get anything from God unless it comes through the Holy Spirit. So, so understand right now that, that we can't afford to grieve him. We can't afford to resist him or quench him. He's the one that's, that's, that's conduiting everything that God has to us. And if you grieve that or somehow you minimize that or just ignore that, then what you effectively did was you have closed off the pipeline to get you the resource you're going to need in order to prevail when the winds, the fires, the floods, and all that can be thrown at you comes your way. We've got to honor the Holy Spirit. And I'm unashamed to say, and maybe my whole life I'll preach to crowds this size, and I'm fine with it, but I'd rather stick with the Holy Ghost than just get a lot of folk because a lot of folk isn't going to help me and it ain't going to help you. we got to get the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Spirit wants to work through the harvest. He wants to work through thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I believe that with all my heart. But the truth of the matter is, if a choice had to be made, I'm throwing my hat with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's got to be a foundational part of your life. I listened to this. I'm just, I, this is one of my days. I'm going to get it off my chest. Clay's coming next week, so I figure I can, I need to, I just need to get everything out of my system because it's going to be two weeks before I get to see you again. So I'll just get it all out of my system. I saw, I saw a, a, a message and heard an illustration and this was the illustration. I'm just going to tell you, that I, 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 this illustration is not true. But they were using it as it was true. They said that church was like a new car dealership. And they were saying that you don't change the oil on the showroom floor. That's done in the back. Meaning to say that when you're up front in the showroom, that's where everything is nice and tidy and pristine and perfect. But if you're going to do any of the oil changes, you do that back in the back where no one can see it. I'll say it. That's stupid. It's stupid. We ain't selling people cars. I'm trying to set people free. And truth be told, if people knew how the service department worked, they wouldn't be buying what you were selling up front either. It looks good in the showroom. But how's it work in the back? And most of the time, they don't want you back in the back. We have got to understand the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are free. You are up front and central in this place. Because that's our only hope. This cross won't set you free because you got information about it. This cross will set you free because the Holy Ghost ignites its power in our midst. And that sets people free, see? That's what happens. That's how it works. I understand the Holy Ghost can at times come and it make you feel a little bit weird or different. Or, and I understand there have been people through the years that have blamed things on the Holy Spirit and they're just being silly and goofy. I understand that. But I'm here to tell you some of the first Christians I met were silly and goofy and didn't even have the Holy Ghost. It didn't stop me from pursuing God. So you've got to build a foundation. You've got to respect the Spirit of God. I want the Holy Spirit in my house. I want the Holy Spirit talking to me as I'm driving down the road. Holy Spirit, lead my steps. Holy Spirit, give me insight. Holy Spirit, intercede through me because I don't even know what to pray because all hell has broken loose. Holy Spirit, be a foundational aspect of my life, number two. Number I believe this is foundational. It's the call to holiness, character, and integrity. I'm gonna, I, I wrote this down. You've heard me say before, holiness equals sanctified, 
And I know somebody going, that doesn't help me any. Messed me up for years. Holiness equals sanctified, which equals set apart. Stick with me. Holiness equals sanctified equals set apart equals uncommon. Uncommon. The opposite of sin is not holiness. The opposite of sin is righteousness. The opposite of holiness is common. Very important. Very important. Because when you're building, are you going to build as a common person or are you going to build as an uncommon person? Is your life common or is it uncommon? The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, it says that we're to pursue peace with all men and holiness without which we shall not see the Lord. And, and, and if you'll just slip in uncommonness, we're to pursue peace with all men and uncommonness without which we can't see the Lord. There are people who are even in our ranks that need to be challenged with holiness, character, and integrity. A person of character can withstand a whole bunch of hits because when everything else is stripped away, their character will still remain. And so we, can, we don't apologize. We don't apologize for holiness. We don't apologize for character. We don't apologize for integrity. I understand we don't, we don't function as human beings perfectly, but we should be doing our very best as unto the Lord to do what we can to be uncommon people. And we need to build our lives not like the masses, but begin to build our lives in that which was demonstrated to us from the Lord and that which he says in his book, which is holy. So I don't want to look like some folks out there. I don't want to do what they do. They have made so many dumb decisions that I don't want their life when it's all said and done. They are train wrecks, some of them waiting to happen. Don't get on that train. You need to begin to build your life with uncommon, holy things. Come on now, hold out for the holy thing. Hold out for the God thing. Hold out for his will. And when the storms come, you'll be glad you did. And finally, number four, and, and I'm wrapping up, this is the place, I call it foundational, for us is the place of authority. And there's three things under the place of authority. I'm just going to go boom, boom, boom. Number one is, we've got to get a revelation of authority. Number one, the first one is the authority of the believer. You've got to build your life understanding that if you're a believer, you've got an authority that's been delegated to you directly by Jesus Christ in order that you can, you can appropriate his power and do the works he did and begin to see supernatural, miraculous things begin to take place in your life. But if you don't have a revelation of that, if you don't have an understanding of that, then how can you appropriate what you don't get? So the first revelation is that I and you, we need to have a revelation of that authority that we have as believers. Number two is, is there's an authority in the word. This book is an authority in my life. In fact, aside from the person of Jesus, this book comes in a close second because this is the heartbeat of God. This is his intent, his mind, what he thinks. He used men, yes, as he inspired them by the Holy Spirit to write this, but this is still the heart of God. And this contains an authority that I need to get a revelation of. And so I just can't be saying whatever I want to say, but I've got to begin to learn what it means to say the word of God and to speak the word of God. And just as Peter spoke that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, it was at that point 
that Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and hell won't prevail against it. And he was saying that your spoken revelation, the words that are coming out of your mouth by which you now get, that becomes a rock that I can build on. That becomes a rock by which you can withstand what hell's throwing at you. Do you remember when Jesus was with the devil in the wilderness and the devil's throwing everything he's got at him? What did Jesus do? Jesus spoke the word. He spoke the word. And as he spoke the word, it broke Satan's instigations against him and what was going on at that particular time. And then finally, number three, it's the authority of the believer, the authority of the word. And then finally, you've got to get a revelation, I believe, and this has been foundational in our house, of delegated authority. Now, this, I just read these parables, and it just sort of spoke to me. And you know, when, when, when there's a rain, if there's a physical rain, and, and, and that's testing something, what, what would the rain be testing? The roof. Is that not true? Where does the rain hit first? The roof. And this is what I believe. I believe that God's going to test, and God will even allow rain, or however you want to put it, into your life to find out how your covering is. A lot of Christians get blown away because they never get connected to a local church. They never get under authority. Well, you say, well, I'm under authority. Well, we're going to find out. You know, I have everybody running around saying the only authority they got is Jesus. Well, that's great, and I'm glad for it, and I believe he is the preemptive authority in my life as well. But there's a delegated authority that's talked about in this scripture as well. And God will send rains, and he will send what needs to be sent, and we'll find out. We'll find out. And the truth of the matter is, I have found out in my life that I need, I need to be a man under authority as well as to be one in authority. You can't even be in authority if you're not under authority. I mean, no one will even pay attention to you. So, so I believe that even here at this local church that there's a process that we put in place that helps you, if you'll let it, it can help you build well so that you can withstand all the things that are going to be thrown at you. Now I'm going to finish with this and I'm done. Just this week, I was reading in the paper the final, the final summation, so to speak, of all that took place with the SOFA Superstore fire. I know nothing about firefighting. I know little about politics. I don't know who's what and where. I've got no axe to grind with any of the players that are involved in what, what had taken place. I just was, like so many Charleston people, I opened up my newspaper and I read the report. And as I began to read the report, it was pretty easy to see that there were things that were not put in place. There were things that were not built as they should have been built. There were things that, 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 that were put together that weren't put together right. There were things that weren't adhered to that needed to be adhered to. And of course, as the report goes out, what begins to take place? Everybody starts ducking. Everybody's ducking. Why do they duck like that? Is because nobody wants the blame to come to their doorstep. And the truth is that there was a fire in our city that took out nine human beings. And unfortunately, those nine human beings cannot be recovered. Their families grieve and all of the other things that take place when tragedy strikes. But that fire revealed to us all in this city what nobody could see at the time. I'm telling you that God, I preached this three weeks ago about light coming. God is sending things to the earth to reveal exactly what we're building our lives on. 
And as for me, I don't want to be on the front page of the Post and Courier having to deal with my stuff. I want to build my life in such a way that when the fires, the rains, the winds, and the floods, when they come, and when my life is revealed, that everybody gets to see that what he was up front is who he is all the time. What he said from his mouth is how he lives his life. That he built his life in such a way that hell took its best shot and he may be wounded, bruised, scarred, and bloodied, but he's not out yet. The gates of hell couldn't prevail against him. God wants that kind of life in you as well. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for me. I'm not some special person. I'm not. I'm not. God's no respecter of persons. This is one time that is absolutely right. You have as much right to a life that is built right as I do. And you need it. Probably, in some cases, some of your cases, more than I do. Because you are in the hunt. And you are in the fire. And so today, I'm just, once again, just looking at you saying, what are you building? What's your life being built upon? Is the foundation Christ? Is everything else being put in place? Are you, are you in a process that you can begin to find out what the codes are? So that you can make sure everything is implemented in such a way so that when that moment comes... You'll be like that third little pig. The enemy may huff and puff, but he won't blow your house down. He ain't blowing my house down. He ain't doing it. He ain't do, he's not blowing. He's not. He's not blowing my marriage down. He's not blowing my family down. He's not blowing it down. He's not blowing the ministry down. He ain't gonna do it. We may take our hits. All right, I may have to, but we. But we will not be blown away. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What are you building on? What are you building on? Stand with me, will you please? Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we've already mentioned you this morning. We need you. Wow, we can teach and share and instruct and read scripture and all these wonderful things we can do. But Holy Spirit, this is your moment that's uniquely yours. And Lord, I ask you right now to come, as we prayed earlier this morning, into this place and cause people to receive revelation. Lord, I'm not wanting them to be really stirred so much in their emotion that may have a part in it, but, but more than just an emotional moment, I want them to get a revelation right now that they might be able to evaluate their life right now, that they might see their life, not with blinders and blind spots or veils, but that you would pull all that stuff off for just a moment and cause people just to evaluate their life and ask themselves and let you ask them the question, what are you building on? What are you building on? And Lord, help us to be real honest at this moment because, because faking out the fire marshal and faking out the city inspectors, it may get us by for a while, but when the storms come, it's all revealed. Lord, I know there are a lot of good folk in this room that are building as best they know how. And Lord, I, I know for some of them, even a message like this will cause them to be so introspective that, that they'll, they'll pick on the little things. But Lord, I, I'm glad for that. But Lord, I'm really praying right now for those that may have these glaring violations, just code things that are just out of order. Lord, I'm praying for that. You don't hate them. You don't, you don't despise them. You love them. You want them to stand. You want them to prevail. You want them to 
to build in such a way that on that day, they will stand. Some started building. For whatever reason, got off track. Lord, thank you for second, third, fourth chances. Holy Spirit, will you do your work right now in this room? In Jesus' name, with every head bowed. And Gary, that'd be fine if you're back. You can put in a quiet time and just make it very quiet. But right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're wanting to get the building back on track, if you're wanting to get, maybe you need to get the foundation right. You need to get Jesus back into the equation. He's the rock. And you've got to get a revelation that he is it. It's got to start there. These other things can find their place, but we've got to get the foundation right. If your foundation isn't right, then I want you here right now just to slip out and just come and join me. I want to get your building right this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want, I want to get my building right this morning. They're, they're slipping out. You won't be alone. You won't be alone. I need my building right. I need my building right. I need right now, all the ladies that work with Trace right now and all the guys that I work with, I want you to come right now. Just come out right now and just join in. I want you to be down here. Come on, just come on down right now. If, I want my building right. I want my building right. I got to build right. That's you. Just come on. Just join the group. Just join the group. I was embarrassed when the fire marshal came that day, Tim, to Legacy One. And, he, and then he flashed his badge at me, and I thought, sweet Jesus, I'm going to jail. Just trying to build a church, and I felt like I was going to, and I, I was embarrassed, and I thought, oh, God, how stupid could I be? And all that stuff was going on in me, and I just, you know, but you know what? It had to happen, because if it didn't happen, and, and some traumatic event took place, what, 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 what more would that have been right now? What are you building on? What are you building on? I don't want to belabor the point, but right now, you, you, you know, the Holy Spirit right now is just doing this. And as he's, do, as he's doing this, and I t he's going, that door needs some help. What are you building? What are you building? I can only give you just another moment or two, but there's enough time. Spirit of God, would you just work right now and cause people to leap over any embarrassment or fear. Cause them to leap over anything, Lord, that would keep them from this moment of putting things in order. We want them to succeed. Building, building that which can withstand. I can only give you just another moment or two, and then we're going to pray. Thank you, Lord, that you're working. Everybody's praying, right? Saints, you can pray. If you can pray in the Spirit, take a moment. Just pray in the Spirit right now. That's all right. We, yes, we pray in the Spirit here. Because we believe when we don't know what to pray and what it will take to maybe move a heart, that we can pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit knows. Come on, just pray in the Spirit, just for a moment. It's okay. We pray in the spirit. It's okay. Come on now. We're believing God's interceding right now through some folks right now. Come on down. Hallelujah. Come on. As long as they keep coming, I'll keep waiting. There's nothing more important than we do than this moment right now. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Are we done? Don't be left out. If, 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 if you need to come, come now. Come now. Come now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, we're going to pray all the folks that have gathered down here. 
And uh, ladies and men, you can begin to lay hands on people. And, uh, and we're just going to work with the folks here for just a minute. I don't want you guys, I'm going to pray with you here. And pastor's going to lead you in prayer. But I don't want you just to turn around and run off. All right, don't run off and, unless someone gets to you and can pray with you. Wally, find a guy down here at the end. And you guys that are right in front of me, don't you go anywhere till we just, we're going we're gonna to pray. Till we pray through on some things. Amen? Till we pray through. Thank you, Lord. I want everyone to join me, all the congregation, especially the folks down front. Everybody together, let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father, you've talked to me today about how I'm building. And I'm responding to that. I found some code violations. And I repent and turn from that. And seek you to implement that which I need to build well. I want a life that stands no matter what's thrown at me. I believe you're doing that now. You're renovating me. You're changing me, transforming me into a life that will be built for the glory of God. And on that day, I'll not be embarrassed. I'll not be ashamed. But my building will stand. It will have been built on that which is eternal. Thank you, Lord, for coming into me and becoming the foundation. I confess with my mouth, you are my rock. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I believe you were raised from the dead to rebuild lives in power. So I receive that afresh in me. Let it begin to be made manifest in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Can we give God a big hand clap? Now listen, I'll just, I'll just, just pray with Alex there, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to hand people out. And, and Noah, I'm going to just let you turn around. I know you were down here seeking God, but you pray with Bill, and I'm going to catch a couple of you guys right there. And Herndon, don't you go, man. We're going we're gonna to pray here. We just want, this is what we're doing. We're just, we're just going we're gonna, to we're gonna start plowing through. Amen? I mean, you are courageous to be this at this place. And, man, we're going to plow through on some things. Alan, we're going to plow through on some things. Michael, we're going to plow through, man. We're going to do it. Don't be ashamed, Brian. I'll call your name out, man. You're going to build a life that's great. Amen. Amen. Congregation, I'm going to release you here in just a moment. But uh, I want you just to respect what we're doing down front. And, and you can fellowship. We hope to see you Wednesday. Men are meeting on Tuesday nights, but Wednesday nights we're available. So, so God bless you. I want you to love each other. I'm going to release you right now, but, but don't you go until we get everybody prayed for here, okay? Just hang tough, and I'll, I'll get with anybody and everybody that wants prayer. God love you. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. You're released.